Welcome to Horror Struck. Hello! Hello, horror babies! Welcome back to a new movie review. We actually had not planned on doing a review for this movie, but it's all everybody is talking about, so we're joining the discourse. Yeah, this is very rushed. Yeah, uh, we weren't going to record this, but then we looked at the internet, and it's what the people want. It is very horror in the fact that people are very divided over this movie. Oh, yeah. You loved it, or you really did not. This is one of the most polarizing films that I have seen in a long time. And I can't believe that this, Malignant, is the movie that is separating the horror community. What is going on? How do you feel about this movie? It is a Warner Brothers movie, so we still have the HBO deal going on right now, which is essentially when a movie gets released in the theaters, it's also released on HBO Max. So Riley and I were both able to watch this together, and then we both watched it separately one more time. I would say our initial feelings when we had watched it the first time were not good. I don't know that they were not good. We just recognized how wacky this movie was. But not wacky in a fun house way. Yeah. Man, the structure of this movie is strange. The reveals aren't that hard to guess. I think the twist, uh, you can definitely figure out before it happens. I think we figured it out within the first half hour. Not all of the details, but we knew exactly what this was turning into. So without spoiling it, for those of you who have not heard of it or not planning to go see it, this movie is about a girl named Madison at the very beginning of the film suffers through a home invasion and her husband is killed and she loses her baby. I can, It happens in the first 10 minutes. I can say it, it's fine. But through the course of the movie, she begins to see murders happening. It all kind of unravels from that. It involves her and her past and... Yeah, I guess that's the simplest way to describe it. This is like a horror crime thriller. So trying to put this film into a box is one of the issues that I had with it because it wants to be an homage to like Italian slashers. It wants to be a blood splatter, wacky, goofy 80s revival movie. It wants to be a cop drama. It wants to be so many things and I cannot place what tone they're actually going for. It's like they had a million ideas and they were like, let's just do all of them. Yeah, I think that is one of the things that this movie really suffers because of because it can't really focus on one thing it's just generally covering a lot of things so it for the most part it doesn't do anything exceptionally well the one thing I think it does very well your main baddie I think visually the way he moves he kills even the reveal that you kind of can guess is still a lot of fun I like when they reveal him fully for the first time but yeah, there's just too much that I don't think they focused on one thing enough. And that's why I think it's kind of hard to summarize this movie without any spoilers, because if you look at the advertising, if you look at the marketing, it's absolutely not whatever was in the trailer. And I think that with going into the film, having seen the trailer multiple times and expecting this mystery 
I don't even know what I expected anymore. I was expecting more of a ghost demon-y movie. Yeah, like something very supernatural. And it's not, but it is, but it's not. But it's not. But is it? But are they going to explain it? No, so I guess don't even worry about it. I don't know what I would have done as an advertiser for this movie, but I don't think misadvertising a movie makes a movie bad. I think it can set your expectations in a different way. It can also surprise you. Like I think of Hereditary, although I knew Hereditary got the kind of feel of what the movie was going to be, but the fake out with Charlie and her being prominent in the trailers, I think that is an example of how a very, very good promotion for the movie can work in the movie's favor. This did not work for the movie at all. I think Hereditary, even seeing the trailers, I remember getting the same feeling as when I did when I watched the film, and they got the tone of what they wanted correct. This, they wanted it to be a comedy. I think they were in on the joke, but if I were just watching a trailer, I would have no idea that that's the approach that they were going for. I have a problem with the movie being self-aware and that's that I don't think the movie realizes that's what it's trying to do. (laughs) I don't think the movie was self-aware until halfway through and I think that is in part to them probably making it and realizing oh this is too wacky for us to take seriously we need to drastically change our tone because I think you can see it in some of the actors performances too. There is a scene where someone falls through a ceiling and I laughed so hard. Oh god, that is pretty funny. After the first half of the movie, which is so serious, and it's probably because very serious things happen, like spousal abuse and having a miscarriage. I don't even think it's halfway through. I think it's scene by scene that the tone changes. Because you start with this, like, Dracula's castle, like, children's hospital kind of thing, and then you immediately go to abusing women. My brain is already not able to comprehend what we're going for. This is not a good comparison, but this is what I had in mind when we watched the movie, because we talked about this a little bit after we had watched it the first time, because we still weren't sure if we were going to review it. Mm. But the fact that the tone is not always self-aware, it reminds me a lot of Venom. Oh yeah, I love Venom. It's a great romantic comedy. The first, like, 30 to 45 minutes of the movie, it's not wacky enough. It's almost like you can see the studio controlling it, but then... You can see the director really being able to, like, get the movie back. And the movie gets really, really good and fun from then on. And that's what this reminded me of. Yeah, once Eddie gets in that lobster tank. Yeah, the tone just shifts. And I'm just like, I'm not sure what we're trying to do exactly. I assume that James Wan was in on the joke. But the studio was like, we can't release something like this. And that's why we kind of get this stitched together sort of bizarrely. But what I've been seeing from people online is, wow, this movie is going to completely change the horror genre. No big studios have had the balls to let out such a wacky movie in so long. We just got old like a couple months ago. What are you talking about? We had that. Jennifer's body has been in front of you people for so long. We had Drag Me to Hell. We had Cabin in the Woods. I don't think that this is going to revolutionize the horror genre like everyone seems to think. I wouldn't say this movie is bad by any means. No, not at all. 
I think it's fun. I, I must admit that upon my second watch of this movie, I did like it more, but it's it's something in my mind that I'll probably never go back and watch. It could be something to me that in a year from now, I'll be like, oh my God, I forgot that movie even came out. Like, I'll just forget about it. No, this is something I'm going to be like scrolling an app and see. Except the backwards crawling. Oh yeah, no, the visuals are great. I mean, should we just, let's just talk about spoilers. For those who are going to skip the spoiler section because you haven't seen the movie yet, I'm going to give it a yes go see it just because I think whether you like it or hate it it's an experience I'd go see it I'm gonna say yes just because it is so polarizing like find out what side you're on because I I have no way to predict anymore so spoiler warnings if you have not seen malignant yet we are going to jump into spoilers for the movie final warning I guess a spoiler version of the plot of this movie is your main character, Madison. You think she has a home invasion by a ghost in the beginning and her husband dies, but it's okay because he's really shitty and he shoved her against a wall, even though she's like five months pregnant and then she loses the baby. But through the course of the movie, you know she's somehow connected to the murderer because she keeps having visions essentially where her environment changes and she's in the room where the murders are happening. Through the course of the movie, essentially, we find out that the killer is actually her parasitic twin who uh was on the back of her head they cut him off of her because he was essentially sucking the life out of her but they couldn't remove all of it because they share a brain she got adopted into a nice family and then all these years later getting her head knocked against the wall has reawoken him and he is killing all the people who tried to kill him essentially so all the doctors and at the end she's able to take control of her own body again because he's been using her body to murder people that's the gist of it i mean there's other wacky stuff like He's been eating the unborn fetuses to, like, make himself stronger so he can come back as a person. one point, the doctor removes him, refers to him as a teratoma, which literally means tumor monster, which I think is hilarious. There's a lot going on, and he he does. He wants to kill that doctor because she said she was going to cut out the cancer, referring to him as the cancer. His name is Gabriel. They try to convince you that Gabriel is the devil, like a lot. Yeah, they try to convince me that he's some sort of supernatural demon or something. And they give him superpowers, basically, which I still think we needed an explanation for. I guess it's just something you're supposed to look past. And I guess to a point, like, it's it's fine. It's horror movie, I guess. Well, the super strength, I can look past. The ability to talk through the radio frequency like bumblebee that i don't know so much about i think the idea is essentially they were separate in the womb but then they merged into one so did they used to have two brains and that's why he's able to be so pat like he has all these psychic abilities well but they're sharing a brain it's like when you lose one of your senses the others get stronger so he doesn't have any senses so he gets superpowers so his brain is the strongest i don't understand why he can't talk though because when we see him in the flashbacks he has a mouth and he's like screeching couldn't he at least be able to talk through her mouth because if they're sharing the same body maybe she (sighs) yeah i don't know (laughs) 
I, I think you're just supposed to overlook it. And I honestly, I don't mind that too much because I think the first time you see, when you see Madison, who her real name is Emily, you see her as a kid in the institution and you see like his creepy Gabriel, like Voldemort baby self on the back of her head. Visually, it's, it's fucking cool. And so I can forgive some of it because I'm just like, it's, it's fine. But there are a couple of things that even on the rewatch, I was still confused by. Was it how they tried to convince me he was a shadow person? Well, that actually, I think, gets explained because if he is taking over her body and making her see things, he just wanted her to see that. She was actually doing the murdering. So she wasn't actually down there at all. Well, it's not even that, though. There's a scene... Well, yeah, it's the stuff that her husband perceives. But because of the fact that they've told us Gabriel can change what she's seeing, she's a completely unreliable narrator, and we're seeing most of the story through her eyes. I guess that's true. I just keep thinking back on the scene where they find their birth mother and he has gone to kidnap her and there's a part where he's chasing her but then she turns on the lights and suddenly he's gone or he's above her now and that's just the part where I keep thinking like why did they want me to think he was supernatural so badly? He's a superhero. I guess if they did want me to think he's a shadow person it kind of makes sense because he'd be like her shadow always like following her without her being fully aware. I think I'm giving the movie too much credit, though. I think the concept behind Gabriel is cool horror villain. I think that's all there is to it. Because the best scene in the movie is the precinct scene. Oh, yeah. They think that Emily has been committing all these murders. You see her bio mom, like, tied up the whole movie, and she just crashes through Emily's ceiling at one point, and you realize, oh, she was in Emily's house the whole time. What a coincidence. But yeah, so they arrest Emily slash Maddie. Starts to get beat up while she she's in holding. And Gabriel's like, my turn, and just takes over and slaughters everybody in holding. Gets out, slaughters almost all of the police officers. But the scene is really cool because his design is that Maddie's skull in the back essentially opens up and his brain face comes through. And then he does everything... Um, kind of backwards because he's using all of Maddie's limbs and her body and everything but he is on the back of her head so everything he does looks kind of unnatural and weird angles and it's really effective. Yeah it's great and they did not use CGI for that they just used a contortionist which I think was great and also terrifying knowing someone out there can move like that. The choreography of those scenes phenomenal. There's a hilarious part where Gabriel's basically like throwing chairs and knocking out the police like bowling pins and I laughed out loud both times. After he kills all of the police officers and the two detectives are trying to get out and he literally chucks a chair from all the way across the room. So funny. It's so good. It's very funny. And there's also a girl that's been hiding the entire time during this and she crawls out and calls 911 and then says, why am I calling the police? And I just think that's a very funny line too. Like when the movie realizes it's funny, it is very funny. Yeah. But when they're trying to be bleak and whatever, it it's boring. I was bored during a lot of the movie my second time around. So I'll actually disagree. I liked it a lot less the second time. It reminded me, um, not 
quite the same way, but a lot like my second viewing of House. The first time around, I was just so confused trying to figure things out. And now knowing the twist, I was like, okay. And there were there were lines here and there that came through that were pretty funny. At one point, Madison says, it's all in my head. And I was like, yes, it is. You have no idea. Yeah, there's another line where like, it's just like right in the back of my head. And I was like, oh my God, yes, it is. Like, yeah, you're almost there. We've almost got it. But I don't want to watch this movie a third time. No, I don't either. It was fine watching it a second time. Not for a long time, at least. People are really enjoying it. And you know what? If this brings you joy, I'm so happy for you. But it's it's not for me. And I think it's because I just... I don't like the tonal inconsistencies. I don't think the script is very good. I think the dialogue's a little clunky. If they want to do this kind of weirdish kind of story, they should really lean into it. Because they don't want you to guess the twist, they're trying so hard to misdirect you. And I feel like it's misdirecting me from enjoying the movie. Okay, I'll agree with that. And yeah, I also, I don't want to be a naysayer. Like, this movie, obviously, a lot of people have really enjoyed it. And it does have merit. I think visually, it's very well done. Oh, absolutely. And Gabriel himself, when he does come out of the head, he's scary. I do have a question about how, because Gabriel must be some sort of supernatural, right? Because how else can he open her skull and then close it again and heal up? Like, did he heal her bullet wounds at the end? Because she gets shot by the detective before Gabriel, like, stabs him. Is that part of the big hallucination, though? Because at one point, she does take over and makes him see what he wants to see because he's wanted to kill her sister and the mom. I don't think she took over before then. Maybe it's like an old where they just cut that woman open and remove a tumor and then she just sews herself back up with magic. The brain is pretty incredible. So maybe it is if you are able to have the strongest brain in the world, you can just do whatever you want. I guess if you have a double brain, yeah, maybe your brain capacity is like so high that you are just telekinetic because it seems like Maddie has those powers too because there are times where like light bulbs shatter and stuff like that when Gabriel's not fully present. The thing I wonder about that is maybe they are just Gabriel's powers but like how he can tap into her like brain she can tap into his powers like when she's really emotional. Not that I think that matters but it was just a thought. Yeah I don't think we're ever gonna get an explanation. I hope there's not a sequel because I think as a standalone movie it's fine. They do leave it open open for a sequel she locks him away in her mind palace (laughs) he's like i'll get out one of these days and she's like yeah bitch but i'll be ready oh was this the secret sequel to dr sleep that we didn't realize uh no i don't think so um we'll have to wait and find out actually re-watching this a second time i discovered a new problem i had with this movie Ooh, okay it was really one of the only visual problems i had with this movie because i think this movie deals a lot in very dark tones very dark blues and greens except for the occasional really vibrant red which I think is why people are associating with giallo films but I wish they would have made the blood really vibrant and it's so dull it just kind of blends in with everything so that was my only complaint that's more of just a personal taste thing I was like they should have just made the made it redder I was having the same thought but it might be because we watched Jacob's Wife last night and that I think they did a really good job with like the blood 
splatter, like, goofiness of. Like, if it were more like that, I think I would have understood the tone of the movie a lot faster. Yeah, and that's something Giallo films are really known for, is really, like, vibrant color. So really vibrant, like, reds for bloods and big, elaborate... Argento is known for big, elaborate set pieces. And this has, like, two. This is more like a throwback to, like, 2000s horror. Like, we looked at it and we're like, this reminds me of The Ring. Oh, yeah, there was a point where we both were like, I'd rather be watching the ring right now that's the problem too though is that it wants to be so many things that like this also could be a reference to like john carpenter movies i think there's a john carpenter movie with this exact same plot almost where someone's got like a person growing out of the back of them there's a stephen king story that's very similar to this it wants to be too many things for sure do you want to talk about what you did like i think this movie is shot really well sequence where she is running through the house but the camera is up above the set essentially I think was really cool. There are a couple like cool symbolism things that I think work like the fact that the bio mom works in the Seattle underground. So what's underneath? Definitely a symbolization of Gabriel and Madison's relationship. Oh, there's a really funny scene where um, one of the detectives is chasing Gabriel. And I love that they acknowledge how ridiculous what he's about to do is. And he jumps off the fire escape onto a trash can to like break his fall. I laugh so hard. I really wish they would have utilized the institution a little more. Sydney, who is Maddie's adoptive sister, goes to do some investigation about Gabriel and goes into this, like, Dracula's castle. I think that's how you refer to it as. And I think visually it's really cool. Uh, I do have a question about why, if this facility shut down, why did they not destroy the documents or move them instead of just leave them all there? Yeah, there's a lot that needs explained. I think the one thing people are going to talk about when they talk about this movie is probably that precinct scene that's that's the best part of it the end isn't bad when maddie takes back control and makes gabriel start seeing visions because we were both heartbroken when the sister we thought the sister had died and then we're like thank god Mm -hmm. because she was our favorite character yeah that's one of my highlights from the film is uh what is her name madison hasen plays sydney in the film And I think that actress knew what the movie was supposed to be the entire time. Like, she's very consistent, but I don't think anyone else is. Yeah, I think the funniest is one of the doctors. He's, like, the the more rotund one with, like, the blonde hair. Every line he says, and he only says a couple, they're just so funny. And it's no fault of the actors. They're just written very poorly. Anytime they actually seem self-aware and realize it, I enjoyed the movie. But anytime they try to be serious, I'm like... (sighs) Nah, this isn't what I want. Yeah, no, I agree. There are some good scenes from the lead actress. I think her name's Annabelle Wallace, right? Yeah. I like her in some scenes. Totally called her wig, by the way. Oh, yeah, we were minutes into the film and you said, is that a wig? I usually don't notice, but that's clearly a wig. I think from then on, we were just like, what's going on with her head then? Something's gotta be going on. Yeah, and then as soon as she pulls back her, or Gabriel pulls back the hair for his face to come through, I was like, ah, that's why we're wearing a wig. 
Greg. Got it. Yeah, because we had guessed, I think, all of it other than, but he's still in there and he's going to come out of the back of her head. Actually, we may have guessed that too, because I remember saying something about Professor Quirrell. We were making jokes about Voldemort. And that is literally what happens. But I think I agreed. There, visually is good. Choreography is good. Sister is good. Uh, anything else good? I do have one other plot question. They make a big point about talking about like her remembering her past because when she comes to her adoptive parents, she doesn't remember anything before the age of eight. So before her surgery, her mom does mention them having a couple instances where she was essentially talking to Gabriel who was in her head. Why did he go away? Did she just suppress him? And then when Hubby threw her against the wall, like that I know is the inciting incident that the movie says is why Gabriel is back. But I don't understand why he ever went away in the beginning, but maybe it was like he's not strong enough. So that's why he's eating all of her fetuses. I think it is a combination though. I think it is him not being strong enough because he's just this tiny part of her brain left and her suppressing it because when she gets to the couple who adopted her, when she gets to this family, they're basically saying like, hey, this is your imaginary friend. This is all in your head. It's all made up. We're just going to ignore this, okay? And I think eventually she starts to forget that it was ever real because when you're told something over and over and over again like that, you kind of forget what's reality and what's not. And that's no fault of the adoptive parents because they were told that the mom died in childbirth and that you know none of this was actually going on i did really enjoy the scene where she almost cut her mom's belly open oh the birthday cake like thing? gabriel was making her think that she saw a birthday cake and he's like slice into it slice slice and then she wakes up with a knife above her mom's pregnant belly and she's like no yeah shout out to mckenna grace who's always good in everything i can't believe we didn't realize that was her but it's because every single actor looks like a doppelganger of someone. She looks like McKenna Grace. We were like, that's McKenna Grace. And we're like, oh, it is, yeah. It definitely was. She was the only actress I did recognize. Dude, there's a force line at the end where the bio mom is like, after she fell... <laughs> through Maddie's ceiling was in a coma in the hospital and that's where the big like end sequence happens but she's like Gabriel I shouldn't give a new way I love you and I'm like where the fuck is this coming from it's probably coming from fear and she's like I don't want this guy to kill me so I'm just gonna butter him up right now in hopes that he doesn't murder me I feel like they were trying really hard to do an Anna and Elsa thing with the sisters but they didn't I could see the actors trying but I couldn't really buy that they were so Sisters. Besides the plot telling me that. This is just a message that's been like pounded into my head by other movies though is, you know, blood isn't always better than found family. Like, yeah, I know. I don't need a deadpan monologue at the end about it. She kept using the word blood connection. I didn't like that. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. She keeps saying, like, I want a blood connection. And she's looking at her sister and she's like, and we've always had one. And we were both like, did they make a blood pact at some point? What the fuck does that mean? So her sister clearly didn't know that Maddie had been adopted. Or if she did, they played it off in the movie like it was a big reveal. Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. 
hilarious when they reveal it. The the musical cues that they use are insane. Well, and you think because of the fact that Maddie really wants to have this blood connection that she would maybe have figured out who her bio mom is, but I don't think she has. So how the hell does Gabriel figure out who her bio mom is and knows who to go after? Uh, there's a part at the beginning where when they're chasing him and like trying to get him to stop killing people, he's made it to the records room and he found his records, which is what I assume he was looking for to see like oh, who the mom was. Oh, I didn't even catch yeah, that. Yeah, because I didn't realize... Uh, I missed a lot in the opening scene the first time we watched it, so I was trying to pay attention to that. And it did clear up a few things, but not enough things. I think this movie, for me, is a lot like The Lodge. A lot of people really like it. It's shot really well, but I it's just not for me. I don't think this movie is for me. I think I would... Like, say if I had a movie night or was trying to, like, make my brother watch something that I thought was silly or something like that, I'd play it again. But I'm never watching it alone again. I was so bored when I watched it alone. Yeah, I'd probably show it to somebody who maybe hadn't seen it before just to see if they can get all the weirdness, if they can guess it all. Yeah, just to see a reaction. I wonder if maybe we would have been more shocked by this movie if we hadn't had just watched House. Because after House, is anything quite as wacky? Maybe not. Yeah, that's probably the wackiest movie I've ever seen. So this one needed to step it up like 10 notches for me to actually think it's going to change anything in the genre. I can only imagine if like this were done by like Sam Raimi, like an Evil Dead style, drag me to hell kind of thing. That might be the problem is that, yeah, because James Wan did it, the expectations were different. So that's why everyone thinks this is so wacky and silly and brand new. But if it were like, if the Evil Dead director came out with this, they'd be like, oh, just just another wacky Raimi film. So it might just be a perspective thing, I guess. But hey, if I can say anything about this movie, it's still much better than The Nun. Although James Wan didn't direct that, he just produced it. Yeah, The Nun sucked. Cheers to Malignant, I guess. For me, this movie just ends up coming just very middle of the road for me. Like, it's an experience. I definitely recommend. I don't know if I would say go to the theater and spend money, but it is on HBO Max. So feel free to, I'd I'd suggest going to watch it. I think third act and on, it's a good movie. But I think if you have the patience to get there, I do think it's a couch movie. Just, Just watch it on HBO. Oh, there is one other thing I wanted to talk about. I think the music for this movie is all over the fucking place. Joseph Bashira does the music. He also did the music for The Conjuring. And I think the actual like orchestrations and the score for this movie are good. But it's like they think they're scoring a CW show because randomly music will just come in. They really love the Where Is My Mind song. And I think it could have been done effectively if they hadn't made it like a banger. The problem with playing where is my mind at, in anything at this point is that it's such a red flag because you were like, oh, okay, so she's mentally unstable the second it came on because of how many times they have done that in movies. So I agree with that. And also, we forgot to talk about the fucking theme song that they play. This would have worked really well as a CW show or a miniseries. And we talked about that during the movie. It's bizarre. Oh, the credit sequence. So we go from the beginning scene at the institution. It like smash cuts to this credit sequence. That seems like a Netflix show. It is 
bizarre. It's just very stylistic, so I guess that's why they chose to do it. But it's placed so strangely. It really made me think, okay, this is a part one of a miniseries that I'm watching. And I wonder if that's what they wanted to do, and then, like, COVID stuff started happening, and they were like, no, we gotta just make this as fast as we can and get it over with. But who knows? I'll never know. And then there's that weird music sequence um, at the very end of the movie when Maddie gets control of her body from Gabriel and she like, you almost get like a superhero stance from her. I swear to God, it sounded like the theme from The Flash. Oh yeah, I forgot about this. Took me so out of the, so out of the movie. Barry Allen's gonna run in and help. It's like a superhero who's like finally mastered their powers, which I guess kind of is what's happening, but it's too triumphant for what we've seen up until now. Yeah, I think those are all my thoughts on this movie. Yeah, I don't think I could complain about it more because we'd be here for hours. Mine's gonna be a go watch this on the couch. Go watch this and and tweet at us and let me know what you think because I'm just in awe of the reaction to this film. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see especially the reaction in the next week or so because I don't think a lot of people besides like really big horror fans have sat down to watch this yet and horror fans tend to be a little more we tend to be more forgiving especially if someone has given us a good movie in the past oh yeah my expectations on films have changed drastically now that i'm a horror dude so it will be interesting to see how the reaction changes or if it stays about 50 50 because i feel like that's kind of where it's at right now people either really like it or they just don't understand and i'm kind of i feel like i'm like i see why people like it and i just don't <laughs> Do we do a horror struck rating during the new movies? Uh, mine's a one. Mine's a two. Gabriel's creepy. He is creepy. What's your one for? He does like to break arms. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. There's a lot of bones. He loves to snap arms. You see a lot of bones. Yeah. When he kills Maddie's husband in the beginning, like she comes downstairs and finds him. His head is just like to the side. It's great. One of his arms is like dislocated to the point where I don't know if it's even attached anymore. There's fun kills, I guess, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it a two. Yeah, there's fun gore. There's decent gore. Would have gotten a lot higher if uh, they had actually decided to make it red and not just like reddish black. They're like, we need our blood to be realistic in this movie about this parasitic twin living on the back of this girl's head. I don't buy that they were ever self-aware. But yeah, that's malignant. Tweet at us. Let us know what you think of it. We're going to be doing stuff a little different this week. We will actually be having our scheduled house episode coming out on this Friday. So lucky you, you get two for one this week. So tune in on Friday for our review of the Japanese horror film House. All right, horror fans, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Horrorstruck. If you want to hear more from us, you can head on over to Twitter and Instagram where we are at HorrorStruckPod. Or you can check us out on Facebook at HorrorStruckPodcast. If you have any movie recommendations, you can go ahead and tweet those at us and give it your very own HorrorStruck rating. Until next time, horror fans. Remember, stay spooky. Goodbye! Goodbye!